You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Hello, and welcome just to Star Ragnarok. My no. name is Jamie, my no. co-host, Paula Nova. No. We are here on the Oz Network for another spoiler-free review. Uh, two weeks in a row, we took uh, about a month or so off there because, let's be honest, the movies were really boring that were being released in theaters. Uh, but after a very busy summer, we're back and we're going to have plenty for you from now until the end of the year. And of course, we have to kick it off with the first really big movie of the fall season, I guess. And that would be Thor Ragnarok, uh, the third Thor movie, the 42nd Marvel film or something along those lines. Uh, but uh, this is not going to be a solo review. Uh, unlike Ben, I can convince people to go to movies with me. <laughs> and well, uh, I am your wife. Well, yeah, that helped. But it's not like, you know, getting you to do an episode on a Thor is uh, something totally different on a Thor. Um, But we'll cover that in a second. Uh, My name is Colin. I'm joined as always, not as always, but at least on these review episodes with Jamie. Jamie! Okay, thank you for spitting on the microphone, too. (laughs) I was trying to beat you to the punch, but it didn't work. Yeah, Jamie's here. Uh, so expect a lot of hijinks and getting up to go to the bathroom and staring at her chest and random things in this episode that have nothing to do with Thor Ragnarok. But we are here to talk about Thor Ragnarok, and I'm sure half the people listening to this have already seen the movie, uh, if not the majority of them, based on the box office numbers of just one day of release. And uh, I'm just going to say we're still going to keep this spoiler-free for the most part, um, and I guess maybe someday we'll cover a full recap of this. But let's just go through a little bit of history here before we get into Thor 3. Why are you smiling like an idiot right now? <laughs> <laughs> because I didn't want to hijack your show, but I was I was just remembering before the movie even started when there was trailers for, what was it, was Star Wars and there was something else? Justice League. Yeah, Justice League. And we're, we're in the movies. Me and Colin are there with uh, his sister and then her, uh, her husband. And um, we're all uh, just kind of just trying to sh- whisper to and Colin's like, shut up, shut up, shut up. <laughs> Justice League, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman. Yeah. Flash. No, he was, he was so excited when I was trying to. Star Wars. When I was trying to be like, Colin, doesn't that look cool? And I was like, doesn't that look. Shut up, shut up. <laughs> and it's not like I hadn't seen the trailers before, but it was in 3D. It was my first time seeing the 3D. Yeah. Uh, but we are not here to talk. We'll talk about Justice League maybe in a couple of hours or uh, a week, I guess, before we do our preview episode. Two weeks before we do the review. It's Thor now, so this is Marvel, not DC, not Star Wars. No, I know, but you just get so excited like a kid at Christmas. I, I love how you say it. it. I'm not trying to hijack your episode, and then hilarious. you will not let me move on to what the episode's about. Let, let's get this done. All right, let's get this done. Thor Ragnarok. So let's start off by saying I don't think you ever saw the first Thor movie. Um, I did. I saw it when it first came out, and I have to say it was awful. I don't know. I think I for sure saw the second, though. Right? You did. I'll yeah. get to that. Yeah. But yeah, the first Thor movie... I wouldn't say I had really high expectations of it because I'm not the biggest Thor fan. Right. Uh, but I just, I know some people out there is like, oh, it wasn't that bad. For the most part, this is what would be considered one of the forgettable Marvel movies. You know, one of the Marvel, when Marvel fans try to be like, oh, DC is so bad, DC is so bad. They never like to mention Thor 1, Thor 2, Iron Man 2, or even Age of Ultron for the most part. But Thor 1, not a great movie. I think I am probably less of a fan of it than most people. Thor The Dark World was probably an improvement. And that one you did see with me, um, having not seen the first one. But you did see The Avengers, so you're familiar with Thor and Loki and everything. Yeah. And when we saw The Dark World, I was like, yeah, that was better than the first one. That wasn't too bad. And you were like, that was so boring. And all you could do is just criticize Chris Hemsworth and Tom Hiddleston and I know, I, and, I think, and they're hotter in this movie. Well, maybe they've aged just enough for you or something. They're getting closer to that Patrick Stewart age now. <laughs> I don't know. Some... You hated them in the first two. I did, I and did. this whole movie, you're like, I like these guys. But, but and I'm you know like, you funny? did the first two You times. know what's funny is it's the same type of thing even with Tom Cruise. Um, you know, once you got to reach a certain... Like, I couldn't have cared less. Like, what was it? what's that movie? Risky Business. Yeah. Like, you know, him being young like that. Couldn't have cared less. But I, I couldn't even remember the first movie that I really thought he was, like super hot but yeah like well we started already we're not even five minutes in no i know but we now, haven't talked about the movie and jamie's talking about how hot the men are now there's certain movies where if you're like oh so-and-so is in this movie i'd be like i'll see it yeah which is yeah how i drag you to half of the movies I know. and i think with thor i do like my eye candy it was because we actually went to this one for free because we had banked scene points seen as a thing in canada 
which goes through a bank where you get you know free movies after you spend so much money or see so many movies. So these ones were free for us. That's how I convinced you to see it. Mm-hmm. But uh, just really quickly, we went through the background of not really caring about the first two Thor movies. Um, for me, being indifferent on the second. And uh, I will say for the second Thor with the Dark World, I enjoyed it when I first saw it. Definitely compared to the first. But then... The more time passed, I'm just like, what a forgettable movie. And yeah, I don't even remember it. Yeah, but this that, one... That's why I had to ask you, did I see it? <laughs> different impression on this one, though, because what's your very brief opinion after seeing Ragnarok? Um, well, like you said, uh, I, I don't know if I saw number one, but I did see two, and I haven't been a Thor fan at all up until this point, even though I know some people are diehard fans. And this... I don't think there's any diehard Thor fans out there. We'll cover that in the episode, but anyway, it's kind of the forgettable. <laughs> um, but this movie, I thought it was actually really amazing. I liked uh, the characters, just the whole feel of the characters in general, their, who they were and how it was, you know, funny. I, I like the humor in it. I don't know. It, it made it more memorable for me. I, I Like I said, I don't remember the other movie. Yeah, this one was more of a memorable movie. And I'll agree with you pretty much everything there. I think that um, the humor was definitely what was needed in this. I mean, the first Thor movie had its humor, but it was mostly Thor in the real world. And as far as everything on Asgard, it's kind of humorless. And it was a little bit too Shakespearean. And that kind of came from Kenneth Branagh directing the first one. You know, in the second one, Alan Taylor directed it, who's came off of Game of Thrones. And I think it had much more of a darker magic feel to it. A little bit of humor, but this is probably playing more to Chris Hemsworth's strengths because I obviously slam Chris Hemsworth all the time. Um, <laughs> I will say out of all the guys in these, not just Avengers movies, Marvel, DC, whatever, he's the one I care about the least. And anytime Chris Hemsworth is in a movie, I kind of roll my eyes. I know Ben's kind of on the same board because... It's very different. I wish we had been on here to talk about the Australians in this movie because I'm starting to learn that Australians have a very different opinion of some Australians than people in Canada or United States do. But I guess Chris Hemsworth is not really considered as much of a big deal there because they saw where he came from, you know, on soap operas and their version of Dancing with the Stars, which is hilarious if you ever look up the YouTube clip of Chris Hemsworth on the Australian Dancing with the Stars. Um, but Recently, he's kind of had a breakthrough in his career, you know, transitioning away from these dramatic roles like Black Hat and Rush and In the Heart of the Sea, movies that he was okay in, but wasn't really a strength, and doing comedies lately like Vacation and Ghostbusters, two terrible movies that I will say Chris Hemsworth stole the show in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm not a Chris Hemsworth fan, and I wasn't even so much of a fan of him in those movies, but I will say he really knows humor, which is surprising for such a dull guy in most of his roles. And this movie, it, even just the opening scene, it just totally plays to his strengths as a comic actor. Oh, yeah. And less as an action hero, because we got to be honest, Thor in the first two movies was an action star. In this one, I, I, I there's some action. He's a but, little bit back and forth. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah. even call him the action star. I would just say he's really funny. He's an entertaining, and they charismatic make sure character. And kind of point it out. And again, there's no spoilers about that, but they make sure to point it out where there's a couple of times where he's like, you know, the strongest Avenger. And then it's like, nope. Yeah, nope, exactly. Nope. There's there's a running joke in here where he likes to refer to himself as the strongest Avenger and nobody's really going along with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and even just the idea that he's like, oh, I'm legendary. I'm the... Uh, the Lord of Thunder. The, you know, the God of Thunder. Exactly. And then people keep referring to him as Lord of Thunder throughout this. Uh, or you know, one character refers to as, what is that thing you had coming sparkles. out of your hands? Like sparkles or something <laughs> instead of lightning? I uh, I do have a question for you, actually. I, I didn't think to ask you this before, but because I know he is Australian. Um, he has a little bit of an accent in the movie. Is that his actual accent or is that just the accent that they pick for Thor? And that's just an accent they pick for Thor. Okay. I think because... It sounds a bit Australian, doesn't it? No, I mean, it's... Like a, like a regal Australian I wouldn't say so. I think the Australian listeners listening to this right now are like, that sounds nothing like Australian. But I, like, here's the thing. They're I know, playing... but, but it's it's the way everybody works, though. Like, even me, like, I'll talk to somebody else and, and they'll be like, oh, you have an accent? And I'll be like, what? I don't have an accent at all. Yeah, but no, it's not, he's not using his Australian accent here. I guess the Thor mythology, it comes from Norse mythology. And the comic book said, well, it's not necessarily these are the Norse gods these are gods from another world Asgard that the people of Norway kind of adopted as their gods is it Asgard or Asgard it's Asgard and that's <laughs> a joke in the movie too but anyways uh 
Yeah, I mean, you, you, I, they probably base it more off of a British accent in this because you have Anthony Hopkins, you have Tom Hiddleston and everything. Uh, there are some people who don't even try an accent on Asgard, but I, I don't know. I, I felt also in the first two movies, like especially the first movie, everything on Asgard was what I didn't care about because it just, it looked cheesy. It felt too serious. Yeah. I'd kind of seen, you know, fantasy movies before and I was more interested in stuff on Earth despite the fact Natalie Portman was in it. You know, in the second one, there was a lot more of Asgard and I thought they did a better job with it. But here it's it's not just all the stuff on Asgard, but the majority of the planet, um, or not the planet, the majority of <laughs> the movie uh, takes place on a different planet, which, you know, comes out of a different comic. Here's the other thing. Sakaar. Yeah, yeah Sakaar, which all of these Marvel movies now are kind of adapting. They'll do the origin stories based on origins of the heroes. But as the movies have progressed, they're taking storylines from the comics like we're going to see in Infinity War, it's taken out of the Infinity Gauntlet storyline. You know, Civil War was taken out of the Civil War storyline, uh, so on and so on. But with Thor, this is based on a storyline from the Hulk comics, which is weird. And we talked about in the Spider-Man Homecoming review episode, Ben and I, that, you know, the Marvel movies maybe are just going a little bit too far with all the crossovers of the characters. And we'll cover the Hulk a little bit later on. But it's weird that a movie like this didn't take much inspiration from the Thor comics other than the characters and the new characters they introduce. Uh, the storyline is more lifted from Planet Hulk storyline, which I'm a little bit more familiar with because I'm not, as I said, not a huge Thor fan. But it's just a different setting. And also, the tone of this movie is completely different because you mentioned the humor. Not just the humor. I mean, there's a quirkiness to it. There's a yeah. flashiness to it. I agree. They're taking this very colorful fantasy-like world that we saw in the first two and whereas in the first one they presented it as very Shakespearean almost, the second one presented it as very Game of Thrones-like, this one they said, we're going to make it kind of trippy 1960s, 70s, 80s retro feel. Yeah. And obviously anybody who's seen the poster knows they're going for retro feel. Anybody who's seen the trailers, you know, the Immigrant Song by Led Zeppelin being played. Well, even even your sister actually, when we were watching the movie afterwards, she said that... Uh... She she loved the '80s feel that the movie had to it, like you know, the the yeah. makeup, like for I don't even all the looks I don't of the even character. Remember that, yeah. Anyways, and uh, the, the music and stuff too. It's just, a synthesized score, like it sounds like a soundtrack from the mid '80s. And and like I had told you too as well, uh, I was asking if you had caught it because when they were playing the 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 the, da, 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 the intense theme or whatever, it sounded a little bit like the Wonder Woman theme. Okay. <laughs> The intense theme. You're referring to the immigrant song by Led Zeppelin. <laughs> it was, so. yeah, it was because it's the song. Yeah, yeah, that's that. a Led Zeppelin song. Well, that's well, not then, a theme from well, Thor. Then, well, well, then Wonder Woman ripped off that theme because it's maybe a, a little, little, bit like... little. I mean, I don't think it's so. Much, it's a little very different. Watch Wonder Woman, you'll see how different it is. But anyways. Yeah. Um, one of the things I worried about, especially with the promotion of this movie, where they were promoting it as very comical, uh, I heard a lot of reviews saying that this is the funniest Marvel movie yet. While I'll say that's probably true, I wouldn't classify this comedy. And I was kind of worried that this would go the complete comic route and it would try to be Guardians of the Galaxy. When you see the trailers and they're playing a Led Zeppelin song and they have this retro poster and they're injecting a lot of humor into it. Uh, and it's dealing more with space and other planets, you assume it's just going to be ripping off Guardians of the Galaxy. And I didn't feel that way. I felt like it actually was less funny than the trailers made it out to be. And that's not a bad thing. There are hilarious moments in this movie. But I wouldn't classify this as a comedy. Um, but overall, just the tone of it with like the, the retro feel, this is what Thor has been missing. Because Thor, they've been trying to take Thor so seriously in the previous two movies and not even recognizing that Part of the appeal of this is it being a comic book and it, it, you don't need it to be serious. You don't need it to be Shakespearean and dramatic. You want it to be funny. You want it to be kind of not f saying friendly to kids isn't really what I mean, like in that sense, but you want it to just be something very entertaining and, and kind of fun and goofy in ways. Yeah, no, I agree. It, it needed to have a little bit of a pop to it. And I felt like they did it. And that's saying something because, again, like the first two movies, I couldn't have cared less. And most of the time, the way that it works with sequels is the first is usually the best. And in this case, yeah. I like the third the most. It, well, each one has gotten a little bit better. You know, I would if, if we were well, I'm not even going to give them my review yet. But if we were 
ranking the previous two Thor movies, I would have instantly been to the first one. I would have very moderately rented the second. Uh, and this, you know, we'll get to on the end, but it's improved. So it's not going to be a bin it. That's all I'll give away. Yeah. Um, I think one of the strengths of this movie is the cast. And the previous two movies, I'm not saying this just because I can't stand Natalie Portman, but I don't feel like they really did enough with the cast they had. But you really can't stand I can't stand Natalie Portman. I'm so happy she's gone. Uh, But that brings up another interesting point is that one of my complaints with Marvel is that with their film series they've had, they've never really had a complete trilogy. The closest they had was the Iron Man movies. And I don't I even know. I didn't even enjoy those. I, well, I love the first one. No. The third one was okay, but I wouldn't even go as far as to say that that felt like a complete trilogy. It was like the first one was setting up what could have been like a great standalone trilogy. And it's just kind of the nature of the Avengers and everything has to cross over. And Ben and I talked a lot about this, you know, in some of our DC movies that the one thing you have to give DC is that their movies are much better connected than these. And the only real connection you get with the Marvel movies are the random cameos. And I'm going to have big complaints in this one with some of the random cameos we have popping up. Uh, but the you look at like the Iron Man movies, they're all kind of just their own standalone things. Changing directors doesn't help. Marvel's notorious for not really sticking with somebody. You know, John Favreau didn't come back for the third Iron Man movie. Every single Thor movie's had a different director. Captain America, you know, the first one was always going to be completely different than the second and third but even just for the third, making it more of an Avengers movie. I mean, they've never had even close to a, a real sequel. And it's almost sad for me that they had these first two Thor movies. And the third one, it's not sad that they ditched the first two entirely, which they really do. But this feels more like a reboot of Thor. Like it has no connection to the first two. And I would be interested in watching a Thor trilogy from this point on. But from what it seems like, Marvel is saying we're not doing more than three standalone movies for any character. And... It, it feels like as well, um, even their background characters, though, had tons of personality. And I yeah. think that really helped. Like, um, no, no spoilers or anything, but um, actually one of my favorite characters is Cork. Uh, yeah. I mean, again, fun characters. I <laughs> yeah. I, I just, I loved everything that the guy had to say. But there's a perfect example of a new character they introduced that has no connection to the first two movies. and. If anybody once had doubt that Marvel was really trying to reboot Thor here and to say this is not to do with the first two, just watch the first, I'd say, 15 minutes of the movie. The, the opening is more a continuation of, I guess, where Thor left off on in Age of Ultron. You know, he's looking for the Infinity Stones. Uh, this is setting up a little bit about the plot of Ragnarok here, too. It's a hilarious scene, but it's just it almost feels like a James Bond pre-title sequence. Um, and when he's hanging in the chains and he's spitting, like, there's some great humor there. Chris Hemsworth handles it so well. But from that point on, you know, when Thor kind of returns to Asgard, they reference the first two movies briefly. You know, you see, you wouldn't have even caught this because you haven't seen the first two, but there's a group of characters who are all like Thor's, um, I don't know if you call them friends, but they would have considered like an Asgard team, you know, or whatever. They were the, the supporting characters of the first two movies. And it's blinking, you miss them at the beginning of this movie. And then it's that, hey, let's move on. You know, you look at the way that the Dark World ended. Uh, if people don't want to have the Dark World spoiled, then tune out now. But Dark World ends with, I guess, Odin being captured. And you find out that Loki, Loki, who you thought was dead at the end of the movie, is actually alive and posing as Odin. And they do away with that within 15 minutes of this movie. And it's it's not even like... And it's funny because... When you go back and you read interviews with Alan Taylor, who directed The Dark World, and Chris Hemsworth after that, they talk about the third Thor, Ragnarok, which it eventually became, being a direct continuation of The Dark World. And it, they basically say, everything we need to follow up on The Dark World with is done in 15 minutes. Now we're starting fresh. And they've introduced all those new characters, like you mentioned. Like, there's no connection to the first two movies. And either the tone of this, uh, the you know performance that Chris Hemsworth gives is completely different. And even the characters. It's, just, it's, almost, it's basically just... Thor and Loki, and then a whole new cast of characters. And most of them work so much better than any of the ones we had in the first two. Yeah, I I think so too. And I mean, I had forgotten everything from the second movie. Um, So I had completely forgotten about the wrap-up that you just explained. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I felt like with the way that they... The way that they did this movie with how it was written and stuff like that, you could honestly have only watched the third movie and still not be Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, that's why I'm saying it feels like a reboot of Thor, and I yeah. wish that they had a chance. Now, the director, and I'm never going to get his name right, so I don't even know if it's worth trying, uh, but the director, who's from New Zealand, I'm sorry, Nick, if you're on this episode, you'd be able to pronounce it, but uh, Taika Waititi. Um, uh, Taika Waititi? <laughs> what? No, Jamie. Um, anyways, he said that he would love to do another Thor movie, and there's been no talk of it yet. They probably wouldn't even mention it for probably till the new year anyways. But he said he would see the next Thor movie not being Thor 4, but being Thor Ragnarok 2. And that's the way this movie feels. It feels like if you're going to go anywhere from here, this is the start of a new trilogy. And it almost is like washing your hands. Natalie Portman. Washing your hands with Natalie Portman. That's all Ragnarok was. But they said, we are washing our hands clean of Natalie Portman. We are sorry (laughs) we put her in the movie. Oh, that's why they were so terrible. It was all her fault, yes. And you know what's funny? Ben, if you're listening, I'm not the only one who I've heard say that this past week. A lot of people are not fans of Natalie Portman. I don't really like her. They And again, they reference her really quickly, but it's just sort of, you know, it's done after that. We have to cover these new characters they introduce. Uh, let's start, I guess, kind of as the order they're introduced in the movie. Or before we even get to that, we talked about the improvement of Thor in this movie. Loki, another completely different take on Loki. I mean, I feel like Loki, they did something in the first Thor, which was almost like emo Loki. <laughs> it, it wasn't really the Loki I was expecting. I thought Tom Hiddleston did a good job, but I didn't think that the character was portrayed right. And then in the Avengers, he felt a little bit more like a villainous Loki. But you were missing part of that whole uh, God of Mischief part of him, where he's just a bit of a troublemaker, and he's just deceptive, and he's 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 a scoundrel, would be the Star Wars world for, word for it. And this time, I feel like we finally get that, because between the three previous appearances of Loki, if you combine them all, you got a good Loki. And this time, it... it it was funny at times, but then other times, the whole relationship with Thor, which we thought at the end of the Dark World, it was going to be a dramatic story between these two. It's almost just like you know, a, a weird buddy comedy at times. <laughs> uh, and it's not, as I said, it's not even that much of a comedy. But Loki, this is the best that I've seen him so far. And I know it's the best you've seen him too, because oh, yeah. you actually didn't hate him in this movie like you did the first. No, exactly. And I mean, I could, I think watching them in this movie. And even though they're fighting and stuff like that before, you could just totally tell, yeah, they're brothers. Like, it just feels real. Yeah, that's what made the difference, is that they play out like brothers here. There's a great scene where they're trying to... And there are parts of this movie... You know, this isn't spoiling anything. There's parts of this movie where they're completely at odds, and then other parts of the movie where they're kind of working together, and it's just back and forth like that. And there's this hilarious moment where they're trying to accomplish something together, and they talk about doing this plan that they used to always do. And it's just kind of like the dumb things that two brothers would do to prank somebody else. It's just, they work so well together and you get the brother brother dynamic in this movie. Exactly. Yeah. No. And and that's the thing. It's like for me, I mean, you know, I grew up with seven brothers and uh, no sisters and it just, it felt real to me. Like, okay, yeah, this is how I would be with my brothers if I was a superhero. Yeah. Or would you have been Hela in this movie, the villain? I guess one of the two villains, or three villains, or whatever, but the main villain of the movie, played no, by Kate Blanchett. No, I'm not murderous. <laughs> I I, I want to say this, a few things. First of all, again, talking briefly with Ben about this movie, he hadn't seen it, but given my opinion on it, and I was saying how great Kate Blanchett was in this movie, and he kind of grown, this is what I was talking about in another you, one of these things. Do you think she's hot? I think you know the answer to that question. Uh, no, <laughs> I, I forget, I always forget. Is no, she, I, she, I had... the hot one? I had a weird thing for Kate Blanchett when I was a teenager, which was weird because Kate Blanchett's not, even when Kate Blanchett was younger, she's not the type that would appeal to teenagers. But like, is she still hot now? Did you watch this movie? <laughs> no, but do you think she's hot? Of course. Yeah. And I mean, and it's not just that she's so good in this role and I'm not like, it, it felt authentic. Well, here's the thing. I'm not, Ben was saying how ugh, she's like embarrassing that it's it, that she's Australian or whatever. And I was like, oh, that's disgusting. Because in the same conversation, you know, he was saying Gwyneth Paltrow wasn't so bad. But uh, um, I Shame on you, Ben. Shame on you, Ben. Um, There are movies where I think Kate Blanchett is one of the greatest actresses to ever live. Like Elizabeth. You know, she's so good in that movie. Well, both of those movies, really. Um, Lord of the Rings, she's okay. I wouldn't say she's great in that. Um, But then there's other ones. Wasn't she in that Divergent movie or something like that? No. Not oh, Divergent. I don't think she's oh, never that, done a movie well, like this I think this that was before. another Kate 
something. Kate Winslet, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. See, I always get confused between the Kates. But, um, yeah, like, when she did, uh, the, what was the Oscar she got? Uh, she won um, a couple of years ago. Uh, Blue Jasmine, I think it was. So good in that movie. But then I see her in other things, like The Aviator, and she wins an Oscar for that. I'm like, what an overrated performance. In this, she is so over the top, but she makes this movie. And the one thing that even the biggest defenders, I've said this on so many of our DC recaps we've done, the one thing the biggest defenders of Marvel can't deny is that Marvel has been really bad with their villains. And it's kind of become this joke that every single Marvel villain is just a meaningless carbon copy of the hero. And Hela is so different from Thor, even though they change the origin. In the comics, she was just sort of this villain and they kind of tie her. I'm not going to say what it is, but they tie her to Thor a little bit more in this with a little bit of the backstory. But she's so good, and they use her well throughout the movie. Her look is completely different. Her look changes throughout the movie. And I, I find that the tie-in that they have with her and stuff like that, that they did it so good, where it's like you... It doesn't feel like, oh, they tacked this on. No, it's, it feels like it's like, oh, it was this way all along. We just Yeah, and whatever. there are movies like Ant-Man or Iron Man 2, or even Iron Man 3, where the villains just sort of pop up and you feel like, well, that was tacked on and, you know, this was underdeveloped and this is uninspired. Hela is so good. I would go as far as to say she's probably the best villain that I've seen in any Marvel movie uh, since probably Red Skull in the first Captain America. And that was, like, what, six years ago? Was she just good or was she hella good? (laughs) (laughs) Wow, uh, <laughs> bad jokes very early on the last Um But no, like, she's amazing in this movie. And you get to see her in a bit of action. And does she ever handle the action well? For a woman that's almost 50, like, let's just say this is not not the way you're going to interpret this, but could she have looked any better physically in this movie? I'm just talking about her physique. She had pretty per- perky boobs for a 50-year-old. I wasn't talking about the... You said that, that's but okay. I'll, this woman's I'll say almost I'll say 50. It. And she looks in better shape than the young woman we saw in this movie. Yeah. And you can totally believe her in the action. And you can totally believe her. Her character is so powerful that you almost feel like, where do you go with this? And that was one of the things this movie needed. When you have a character as powerful as Thor, there's really only two things you could do with him. You could say, well, Thor doesn't have his powers, like in the first movie. Oh, how's he going to fight the villain if he doesn't have powers? Or you go the route like this. Where, yeah, Thor's powerful, but there's another villain, and we don't even have to have her do anything. Yeah. And Thor can't even touch her throughout the course of this movie. And that's yeah. kind of what makes Thor interesting. We'll talk a bit about the climax in the end here, but... And there's a way that she actually... I won't explain how or why or anything, but there's a way that she actually... They keep reiterating in the movie, oh, because of this, she's growing more powerful. And yeah. So, and so then you're like, oh, well, crap. If well, Thor couldn't touch her before, what yeah. What are we going to do? Exactly. Yeah, you really don't believe there's a way he could beat her. And you, I think that it makes it so that the audience is surprised a little bit because another thing that Marvel maybe doesn't do as well is that their, their endings can be a little bit predictable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's just superhero movies in general. But with this one, I mean, it's, it's, it's totally different because you don't know how this is going to end. And the way it does end, there's even little things they did in the promotion of this movie that hide part of the cleverest things on the end of this movie uh, that, that make it surprising. But again, can't say enough how good Kate Blanchett is in this movie um, she made this movie along with a couple other characters, yeah. but she really made this movie for me. The other character that's kind of, I guess, the henchman of this movie. Um, Scourge. Scourge, yeah, that's played by Carl Urban. And Carl Urban, I don't even know if you recognize him in this movie, but he pops up in so many different movies. It feels like he's in every movie ever made. But did you even recognize him from anything? Uh, I know I for sure have seen him. He, he had a one of those faces where you're like, oh, I've seen them in tons of stuff. I just can't remember what. Yeah, like you'll remember him most from the Star Trek movies. He plays McCoy in the Chris right, Pine Star Trek movies. Right, right. Yeah, so I mean, he's good in this, but I feel like he's just sort of playing. Carl, he's playing more of a funny version of the Carl Urban, just like this slimy henchman or whatever. Um, he's in the movie. You mentioned the two other ones. Uh, what are their names? The the rock creature and the oh Korg. Yeah, and what's the other one? Uh, I forget his little buddy's name. Anyways, I mean, they, again, they're comic relief in the movie. They don't have a lot of purpose. Uh, and, and there is Doug. Yeah, well, Doug, yeah, there's a joke in there that people get when they see it. But these are all just the, I guess, the other um, gladiators that Thor encounters. Because basically, if we cover the plot for a second, uh, and not giving too much away, it involves Thor, you know, first on Asgard, uh Thor, you know, finally discovers Loki again. Uh we find out that this Ragnarok, which is like the end of 
the world for Asgard may happen. They go out looking for Odin. Um, they end up, I guess, meeting Hela, the villain. Somehow, Thor and Odin get banished to this other planet. And this is Planet Hulk. <laughs> this is from the comics, which uh, I know you're not familiar with. But the Planet Hulk storyline basically involved the Hulk uh, on a world that... It was this exact same planet. Uh, I can't remember. What was the name of the planet again? The Sakaar? Yeah, Sakaar. So Sakaar is the same planet from the comics, uh, Planet Hulk. And it was a sim- similar thing. Hulk was like a gladiator there and they worshipped him. That's kind of where it ends. It's just sort of taking the setting and that planet and the idea of involving the Hulk in this. Um, if we want to talk about the Hulk really quickly before we get into the other great character of this movie. Uh, did, did you like, did you also really enjoy the fact with uh, uh, Thor where when Hulk is Hulk, he's like, no, I like you better. Bruce Banner, he's all like, you know, like, oh, calculations. Yeah, and then when it's Bruce Banner, he's like, no, I like you better. You know, so Hulk is always like Hulk smash. Yeah. Like, oh. Again, Hemsworth is really on his game when he's doing the comedy. Uh, and I think you need a bit of humor for Thor because otherwise he's kind of a humorless character. But this is part of my problem with the movie. Okay. So a lot of people are going to hate me for this because they love the Hulk and I love the Hulk and I love Mark Ruffalo as the Hulk. This was my least favorite version of the Hulk we've ever seen for a few reasons. One, all these crossovers that Marvel does, eventually you're going to run into the issue where different writers are handling a character, different directors are handling a character, and there isn't the same consistency. This did not feel like the Hulk, and they try to explain it, well, it's been two years or whatever, but nothing about this felt like the Hulk or Bruce Banner that we've seen before. And it feels like when we get back to Infinity War... It's going to be like, well, you know, are we going back to the original Bruce Banner type character? Because here it's so comical with the Hulk that he loses that beast part of him. And even in the climax of the movie, which is really about, or even the fight scene that's in the trailers, which I have another point with that, you don't get him as this monster that's just going to destroy everybody. And they fought so hard to make him that between the first Hulk movie uh, that Ang Lee directed, which was, wasn't connected with these, the second one that Edward Norton was in, Uh, which is connected to these kind of, even with a different actor, the biggest complaint was that the Hulk wasn't a monster enough. And in the Avengers, they really made him a monster and they made him a beast. And everybody said, the Hulk has finally been done right. This feels like just a step way back in the wrong direction. Like I would prefer Eric Bana and Edward Norton's Hulks to this, even though it's still Mark Ruffalo, because he's just, he's too comical. He talks nonstop. It's, it's, it's just ridiculous. And the effects look bad on the Hulk. And I'm, I'm sorry to say that because I think the effects in the rest of this movie were phenomenal. But the Hulk just looked cheesy here. And I don't think anything about... I like the involvement of the Hulk in the storyline. I just did not like the portrayal of the Hulk at all. No, I don't know. I don't I don't really agree with you. But also, I'm not like a diehard comic fan, so... But, okay, but whether you agree with whether you like it or not, do you agree with my point that the Hulk was extremely comical in this movie and that he didn't feel like the beast that was going to destroy everybody. Yeah. It took away from it a little bit. Like he, he, but the thing is, is maybe part of that is, um, the fact that he said he's been the Hulk for two years. So at some point it's like, well, you're going to have to learn to control yourself a little bit. No, but there's still problems with that because you have the Hulk here and you have a moment in the climax of this movie where the Hulk takes on another Giant. I mean, it's kind of just this matchup of battles between everybody, and we won't give too much away. But the Hulk has a moment where he takes on, like, it's, he has the Thor fight, and then there's a second Hulk fight that happens later giant on. Giant creature. Yeah, well, another beast. And somehow the Hulk feels like the lesser beast there, even though they portray it differently. It's just I never got the Hulk as the Incredible Hulk here. It's just so much was lost well, in Colin, making it too comical. This was called Thor, not Hulk. So then why make this entire storyline adapted from Planet Hulk? Why is the only source material they're using in Thor Ragnarok coming from Planet Hulk? Well, Why I, have Hulk as the second biggest character in this movie? I told you, I'm, That's, not, I'm not a comic fan. I, I didn't know that another, it came from the, Thor, the Hulk world. There's another thing to complain about here. Uh, and we talked about this in our Spider-Man review episode. And I think we may have even mentioned it back in the Guardians of the Galaxy review that there are so many crossovers with the Marvel movies that it, it almost takes away from the individual stories that these characters could have. And it doesn't always happen. Like you take Ant-Man. Ant-Man had a pretty decent first movie, but there was this one really yeah. tacked on scene with the Falcon. And they, they're like, well, we have to have it in there to set up Civil War. No, you didn't. You could have had Civil War and just, it would have been funnier if 
Ant-Man just shows up in Civil War being thrown out of a van the way he is. But this like 10 minute long scene with Falcon just felt out of place. Same thing happened in Iron Man 2. Same thing happened uh, here. The Hulk was incorporated better into the story, but Doctor Strange is the other one because everybody does know at this point Doctor Strange is in it. Right. And basically we're seeing the end credit scene from the Doctor Strange movie that Thor shows up and we're seeing the full scene of that. That's basically what it is. But he did not need to be here at all. And it was just like the Falcon cameo. It was so tacked on. I just wish that they would let these solo characters have their solo movies and not have these incredibly tacked on scenes that feel like deleted scenes. Because even though it was funny, it took away from the movie. And this movie is two hours and 10 minutes. And it started to feel a little bit closer to two hours, 10 minutes. And I feel like if you had taken out the Doctor Strange stuff, just found an easier way to get to the point, I, I feel like this movie would have gone by a little bit better. And I love Doctor Strange. Like, don't get me wrong. I love Doctor Strange more than any other Marvel movie I've seen outside of maybe The Winter Soldier. Yeah. But we did not need Doctor Strange in this movie. No, I, that part, I, I will agree with you. It felt like a little bit like, why are they, why are they doing this? And like, even the whole thing where obviously he was doing it to get the worst tension, but you know, where he's, he's just, you know, basically um, like pretty much captures Loki and that's not giving anything away. Cause it's not, you know, critical to the storyline. But, you know, he captures his brother or whatever and then gets his attention. And then obviously, like, Thor is able to talk to him kind of thing. And it just... <laughs> then, you know, when Doctor Strange is done helping Thor and he's kind of sending him to a portal to wherever he needs to go, uh, you know, all of a sudden you see, oh, yeah, I need my brother. And then Loki pops up and he, he's like, I've been falling for, what did he say, like, 35 yeah. minutes yeah. or something like that. And, like, that line was hilarious. I love the line. But at the same time, I was like, this was, like, super pointless. Like, why wouldn't he just, like, scoop them both up, talk to them type of thing? But obviously then it wouldn't have been as funny. Yeah. Um, but, like, what, why was he there? Like, what was his involvement with this? And I, I don't want to give too people much People are going to try to explain it and say, well, he was there to set up this and this and this. We don't need these movies to set up everything. When you get to infinity, like these movies are less connected than the DC movies. And yet somehow it feels like we're just getting it crammed down our throats. Like I feel like we could do with even less in these movies mm -hmm. and there would be more clever ways to set it up. Like the final scene, we won't even give it away. And I'm not even talking about the post-credit scenes, but the final scene of this movie, I think it is the first post-credit scene. It sets up the Infinity War in such a subtle way where you don't need to see Doctor Strange there or Iron Man or anything else. And, you know, it, it's the same problem we had with Iron Man's involvement in Spider-Man Homecoming. is just an excuse for them to throw these characters back out there as a way to promote the movie. Yeah. No, I agree as well. Um, I guess only two other characters. And, again, we're talking about a lot of characters because this is a completely new cast. Jeff Goldblum is a grandmaster in this. I love that guy and, like, everything. Okay, you can't help but not love Jeff Goldblum. Uh, I know a lot of people. I'm not even saying I'm upset about this because I'm not, like, that tied to the grandmaster as a and, character. And he's kind of hot, too. Okay, well, there we go again. Jeff Goldblum's in the club. Um, yeah, he's hot. But Ben was just saying the same thing the other day on our Wonder Woman episode. That, so ben and, Jamie, ben and Jamie have the same taste in men, apparently. Uh, but, yeah, I... I a lot of people are going to complain about this the same way they complained about Ben Kingsley in Iron Man because they definitely take a character that's, you know, a little bit more serious in the comics. And I'm not going to say cheap and I'm not even saying I feel that way because I feel like Jeff Goldblum just playing Jeff Goldblum, which is all he's doing. He's Jeff Goldblum with a little bit of makeup on here. Uh, that's great. Like, I will pay. I didn't care that Independence Day 2 sucked. You got Jeff Goldblum in there. I was happy. But I know people are going to be very upset because it is just Jeff, Jeff Goldblum playing Jeff Goldblum. And here's another character that is all comic relief and you really have nothing sinister about him or maybe you could have done more. I guarantee people are not going to be happy with this portrayal. But still, I feel like it's Jeff Goldblum. And I love so many moments he had in this movie. Like the line I said, about you know, what is that? Sparkles coming out? Like he, he just, Jeff Goldblum always has a way of delivering lines that he can make anything funny and make it authentic too. Yeah. I think so too, as well. I love him in everything. Like even, um, uh, Jurassic park. Mm -hmm. That's probably one of my favorite, uh, Jurassic park movies because of him. <laughs> well, he was in two of them. Well, no, but I'm just I hope saying. you're talking about the first one and not the second. Yeah. Anyway. So, um, I don't know. Yeah. I love that guy. Yeah. Well, I guess that's all I have to say, mm -hmm. uh, let's talk about the last character here. And here's the character that surprised me the most. Cause 
you talked about how this character doesn't even get identified really by a name in the movie. Um, and I felt like in the promotional materials, this was going to be maybe like the way Sif was in that. You don't remember Sif, but no. the, the, the girl who played Sif, the actress, uh, wasn't in this movie because she's on a TV show, The Blind Spot now. She has her own TV show. Maybe they couldn't work it out. I also feel like they, like the other characters from the first two, they were distancing themselves from the first two movie. They were really rebooting this. But this new character they introduce is Valkyrie from the comics. And it's funny that they refer to her by a different name. They refer to her by Scrapper 142 or something like that, or 421. And uh, they do explain her as being part of this group called The Valkyrie, yeah. Uh, whereas in the comics, Valkyrie was an actual character. And if you listen to our Wonder Woman episode, everything I'm going to say about this character will make so much more sense. But well, in the whole scene where they're they're actually like on the horses or whatever, it totally actually reminded me of Wonder Woman. Was she on a horse at some point here? Oh, you're talking about flashbacks. Yeah. But here's a character from the comics, and it's portrayed very differently in this movie. And yet, I feel like Marvel finally has their own female superhero. And I know people out there are going to be like, well, they had Black Widow. I'm not on the Black Widow bandwagon. I felt like Black Widow was pretty good in, in um, what was it, the Winter Soldier. Outside of that, I couldn't have cared less about the Black Widow in Iron Man, the Avengers, anything. Um, I will say I completely disagree with people who you know try to make it that she was the damsel in distress in Age of Ultron. I don't even like Age of Ultron in a movie, but if you watch that movie, the Hulk is the damsel in distress. Uh, it's kind of the reverse role there, but I don't care about Black Widow. I don't care about, uh, I loved Agent Carter as a character, but the TV show was terrible. It definitely got terrible in the end. Marvel has not done a female superhero right. And we know we're going to have the Captain Marvel movie coming out soon and Brie Larson's in that. So, you know, it's going to be good, but I just feel like Valkyrie, they call her Valkyrie in the credits for this. They never identify her as Valkyrie, but this character is like the first authentic female superhero they've had. And they did it very similar to the way that Patty Jenkins handled Wonder Woman, which is with subtlety. And listen to our Wonder Woman recap that Ben and I did that, you know, I think is coming out what? It's probably already out there. No, I think we already released the episode. But um, if we haven't, then just wait patiently. I don't know the timeline here. But we talked about the subtlety about instead of cramming her down your throat and being like, this is a woman. I can't believe a woman could do this. And having lines like that line in Wonder Woman where Chris Pine is talking about this is no man's land. That means no man can cross it. Anybody else would have handled that line and said, I'm no man. And Patty Jenkins is like, okay, I'll do it. And she just gets up and does it. They don't draw attention to the fact she's a woman. They don't draw attention away from her being a woman. They don't make her overly masculine. They don't make her overly feminine. They just slowly build towards her being this incredible warrior. And I love Valkyrie in this movie. Like I want to see a Valkyrie movie and I'm not one who's on board with all these spinoffs, but Valkyrie was incredible in this. Yeah, it was amazing. And she didn't really have a a real name in the movie, as we said, other than Scrapper 142 or whatever. Yeah, exactly. That she was of the Valkyrie, but she was also very hot. And uh, as you take a (laughs) sip of water and nearly spit it out, um, no, she was very hot. And, uh, actually when she was in her Valkyrie gear towards the end of the movie, I was like, oh my gosh, this would be like the coolest thing to cosplay as. Can you explain what cosplay is for people, even like me who don't know what that word is or wouldn't know if I wasn't married to you? Yeah. It just means that you have a costume, somebody that you dress up as from something that you like, like a TV show or it's like Comic-Con dress up. anime or a game or something yeah. or a movie. Yeah. Um, I'm happy to say that Valkyrie is going to be in Infinity War. Like if you look at the amount of characters in Infinity War, it'll probably amount to about five seconds of screen time, but uh, she's going to be back. I, I feel like she almost stole this show as well. I asked you before if you even recognized this actress, and you didn't, did you? I, I knew her from something. I didn't recognize her in any of the trailers, um, but even in this movie, it took me probably her first three scenes before I remembered reading this actress was in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the actress Tessa Thompson uh, was in Creed. She played the female lead in the movie Creed. Oh, right. The musician yeah. who's yeah. going deaf. That makes sense. Uh, and I wanted to mention that for an interesting reason, because it never occurred to me until we were watching this movie and she appeared and I remembered seeing the Black Panther trailer before this movie. Oh, such amazing trailer. Yeah. But Black Panther, I don't know if you noticed this, but the villain in that is played by Michael B. Jordan, who plays 
Adonis Creed in the Creed movie, right? Right. Black Panther the movie is being directed by Ryan Coogler, who directed the Creed movie. And Sylvester Stallone recently appeared in Guardians of the Galaxy. We basically have the entire cast and crew of Creed defected to Marvel, and we're wondering why we haven't gotten a Creed 2 yet. Maybe, I don't know. More money for them there, maybe. Yeah, I just thought that was cool that not just the actors, but the director all came over to Marvel. I'll say, like, I, I, I honestly, I really want to see a Valkyrie movie because that's one that would really work. Uh, I don't know how much of a story you'd have there, but at least involve her in the Thor movies. And they, I, I said that they reveal her character like as a warrior very subtly, but everything else about it is revealed subtly too. She's very funny in the beginning, and then they slowly get a little bit more serious with her. So by the time they get to the more serious story arcs with her, you're you're not like the way it is with the Hulk, where it's like, well, this is awkward. We've just been laughing at her being an idiot for two hours. And also, I guess the idea here is for her to kind of replace Natalie Portman as the love interest. And they're, but they, they, they don't... It, they did it so gradual and they didn't shove it down. Yeah, and, and I don't even know if... I'm trying to remember if they even went anywhere with it. No, not really. It was like... It was more of a thing where... I, the right word I think I'm looking for would be... It would be implied. Yeah, it, it, but it's it's great. And it's I think so these, two, these two characters... This is what you need to do. Don't throw a love story out there in the first one. Slowly build towards it. And I feel like the Captain America movies kind of did that but we don't really get the payoff because we never properly got a third captain america movie we just got captain america as a supporting character in an iron man avengers movie uh but i'd love to see where they go with that uh we pretty much covered all the characters let's talk about thor himself one more time just because it's pretty hot especially with his shirt on i just want to mention this is the guy that every single time chris hemsworth would pop up in any movie all jamie would do is complain i can't stand the look of this guy's face he's so ugly He's got such beady eyes. I don't like him. And all of a sudden, Thor, the Dark World, he takes his shirt off and her opinions changed. <laughs> can I can I explain something funny? Um, am I going to laugh or am I going to want a divorce? <laughs> no, I think you're just getting grown. There was that movie that he was in where he was in his underwear and his leg was up. And Vacation. Then, yeah. Oh, okay. It was a fake dong in that. You yeah. have to work the word dong into every episode now. That was a fake dong. Yeah, it was a fake dong. But he, he basically was going to greet like his house guests that he had. And he put his leg up on something and he was wearing just... Uh, just underwear that was it and all of a sudden you see this like huge dong and it, it wasn't um it wasn't like hard but you could you know how you could see the shadow of like the shape of it even when it's soft and stuff and it was like huge it was oh, humongous even though it was a I soft dong and and so like i was like oh my goodness and then and then it was so funny like because i knew it wasn't real i knew that that wasn't the guy's real dong, but I was I was watching this and and all of a sudden like takes his shirt off and I'm like Colin look 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 and I'm like oh he's he's hot he's hot and Colin's like Jamie you know and the first thing that Colin says is Jamie you know in the last movie that that his dong wasn't real yeah <laughs> and I'm like because it's it's so weird it's like that was the turning point where as soon as I saw him basically without any clothes on I was like oh well, it kind of makes up for the face there's some people that no matter how um, attractive their muscles maybe or anything like that without their clothes on that they, they can't make up for their face that's just the way that it goes like what's what's the name of that uh that guy that lots of women love and he was in the, what was that movie magic mike channing tatum oh yeah, yeah that guy he looks so stupid <laughs> if if i had to pick any human being on the planet where it's like i don't want to use any offensive words but the guy literally looks like he's just he looks like he has an IQ of like two. Yeah. Like he looks so <laughs> stupid. Like he, he, I'm surprised that this guy has speech because he looks like he doesn't, doesn't even know where he is. Like, Oh, oh my name is Tony Tatum. Yeah. Oh, okay. oh, I'm a monkey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. No, but, um, yeah, this guy's face was, wasn't that bad. And then, you know, after, after <laughs> that's what we, that's what we get to after that whole buildup of Channing Tatum. I know. And then after I saw him with no clothes on, I was like, Oh, Okay. Okay, so just because this came up in the episode, and again, listen to our Wonder Woman recap. It's a really great episode, but also... Okay, but hold on. You, I, have, you, I, have to, uh, I, have, I have to go back to that for a second because I want people to know. Okay, Welcome to the Oz Network, hosted by Jamie Hilding. I know. I want people to know. Okay, what made the difference for me was because not only was he like shirtless in that vacation movie, but I got to see everything because for me, like everything like like the the legs and the butt that's like my favorite part most people okay, okay. most women like like the muscles right. on like the arms the biceps and like the abs we, i'll 
I like like the glutes and the, the legs. Like, okay, we promised spoiler free of Thor. We did not promise spoiler free of Vacation. Not that anybody out there cares about us spoiling the terrible remake of Vacation. Please. And let's just say the waist out is very nice. Okay. Uh, <laughs> listen to how polite I am. We've got like Kate Blanchett in here looking incredible at almost 50. We got Tessa Thompson as Valkyrie. And I'm saying nothing inappropriate. And JB just went on a five-minute rant about Chris Hemsworth from the waist down, real or fake dong or not. You know, it's very possible that that lady could actually be like your mother. She's she's that much older than you. It's it's Kate Blanchett. Yeah, it's it's like that. Well, she comes from a different continent for one. But I'm just saying, like, it's that possible, and it's like it wouldn't even matter if if you were single, you would like jump at the chance to get some of that. All right, let's move on here. <laughs> In other other words, she's like a like a milf on on the on the side almost of gilf. (laughs) She's not that old. She's what 48, 49 or something like that. I'm pretty sure Jeff Goldblum puts her to shame. I thought she was. I thought you were saying she was over fifty. No, I don't think so. I'll I'll find out by the end of this episode how old Kate Blanchett is. Who she's not that much. Looks better than ever. She's not that much older. And looks better better than ever as a brunette too. Let's just have her keep that as well. Then she's not that much older than you because you're a little old. A little old. Not not very old. Just a little. Every time you bring up on the podcast, I'm going to bring up that multiple people think that you're older than I am. Um. No, multiple people think we're the same age. Only like one or two thought it was older. Okay. Anyways. Um, so back to the movie here for a second. Not even this movie. On the Wonder Woman episode, you can hear Jamie sneeze or do something else in the background when Chris Pine is brought up his shirtless. So well, I, I was like, Ben and I talked about who the poor man's Chris is. Okay. Now, we know this is an episode on Thor. We don't want to disparage Chris Hemsworth. But we've got four famous Chris's out there. Um, all of which have appeared in a superhero movie, uh, all of which became famous around the same time, all of which are incredibly handsome and like to take their shirt off. So we have Chris Evans, Captain America, Chris Pratt, Star-Lord, oh, yeah. Chris Hemsworth, Thor, and Chris Pine, Steve Trevor, a.k.a. Kirk. There's so many choices. Okay, you have to rank them. Here, we're going to do our rankings since we didn't have a Star Trek episode this week. You have to rank the Chris's, and we're going to determine who is the poor man's Chris here. How can I even do this? I you would better not pick the wrong Chris here, otherwise oh, there's going to be trouble. But like, am I ranking just by how attract, like physically attractive they are? Do both if you want, because I know you're going to do that, whether I ask you to or not. Well, because like real life, honestly, it would be a toss up between um, Chris Evans, like uh-huh. Captain America, because the the guy I've seen his interviews and stuff like that, and I I've seen the way that he is with his family and. Like, that type of person is somebody that I, I could definitely be with. Because you've got to figure things what? like that, too. So now you're actually factoring in who you would actually marry. Okay. Well, yeah. For, Just... his, for his personality. And he's really hot. Uh, and then Chris Pratt, obviously. He's hilarious. And he is hot. And we could, like, sit and eat pizza together and watch <laughs> whatever. Um, sorry. No, I'm not replacing you. Don't worry. Oh, okay, so this is just an addition to me. Thanks. Yeah, okay. So, like... For them, too, honestly, for personality and looks, they'd probably be, like, 50-50, a tie between one and two. And then it would be um, uh, Chris Pine. So Hemsworth is the poor man's Chris in both areas. He is, but that doesn't mean that he's bad. Like, the thing is, is I don't know much about their personalities in real life, but... Uh, I mean, even in Wonder Woman, the whole scene where he's literally wearing nothing, Chris Pine that is, he's wearing nothing and he's cupping his dong. Yeah. Now. Because I got to see like, like, and again, when I say that I like the waist and under, I'm not talking about anything dirty, but I got to see like his legs and everything too. And I'm like, "Mm, yeah. This is why we put Jamie on the podcast. She's the only one who can connect with the female listeners out there. Uh, let's be honest, though. Ben kind of goes on his rants about how good-looking men are every once in a while, too. But this is Jamie's purpose. But but honestly, so Hemsworth too, is the too, poor man. Too Chris. many guys skip leg day. Okay. I just want to put that out there. Okay, it, you may work out your arms or your abs or whatever, but seriously, guys, work those legs because there's nothing okay. hotter than like you know some good butt and legs in in, right. in tight undies. Are we still talking about Thor Ragnarok here? <laughs> These are fitness tips from a horny woman. I'm getting too excited. Let's just talk back about Thor, okay? Okay. (laughs) Anyways, so really quickly just talking about Thor himself, which I think we started about 10 minutes ago, um, (laughs) before you started asking how old Kate Blanchett was and ranking 
asking how you were supposed to rank the. I love how you asked how you should be ranking the Chris's when the rankings came out identical both ways. Well, for personality, it would be Pratt and Evans, followed by Pine, followed by Hemsworth. For looks, it would be Pratt and Evans, followed by Pine, followed by Hemsworth. No, I know, but. Okay, I have a question for you. No, I, we're gonna before you ask the question. Let's talk about what I was gonna say. No, no, no it's it's on the same thing about the rankings or whatever. Because there's two hot girls in this movie. You know, there's the Valkyrie. I lady, don't need to and then rank. There's, and then yeah. there's Hella. And if if I'm not even gonna say like if you had to be with somebody like marry them or whatever, but if 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 you this is a wife asking her husband if, this if question. You, if you were single and you had like one night, one night or whatever, where you could just like completely have whatever type of fun with. Hella. Either one of them. We're yeah. talking about the characters? No, I'm... Of course, Hella. Look how powerful she is. No, I, I'm, I'm talking about, like, you know, behind closed doors type uh, of I'm not answering that question on the air. Oh, somebody's turning red. No, somebody's just wanting to finish this podcast before the baby wakes up screaming from his nap. Okay. Um, In other words, his answer is Hella. Okay, anyways. I keep watching. Yeah, anyways. Um, <laughs> See, so about no argument. Thor in this... I feel like we finally got Thor to be interesting by the end of this movie. And they did it in the most unexpected way. And I don't want to give anything away. But the way this climax, we already talked about how Thor is up against the odds of how does he beat Hela. Even though, for the most part, he's not really interacting with her. They kind of start together and they end together. But the entire middle section of the movie is just Thor on a planet trying to escape. And the Hulk being involved there and Valkyrie and everything. It's kind of funny because the movie actually starts that way too where he's trying to escape. Yeah, too. this is basically Thor. Like, what, what kind of superhero is this guy? <laughs> well, no, that's that's a really good point because the way this movie ends, they finally find a way to, I'm not going to say weaken Thor, but to make Thor um, relatable. And they do it in an unexpected way. And I don't want to give anything away. I'm sure we'll eventually cover this movie. But I just love that the way they finally made Thor interesting and the way they finally made him like a great hero where even the, the demonstration of his powers it all comes out of him being weak and that's the thing that, that i took away from this movie that i enjoyed the most was and i didn't even really love anything about this movie i liked it but i didn't love anything about this movie until we got to that final climax and thor gets unleashed in a way we've never seen before and that's what i want to see going forward and i think that, that it, coming from the place of him being a weak character and putting him up against a villain that he doesn't even interact with for the most part, but just makes him look so weak. It finally made Thor interesting. And it took them, I'm not going to say three movies. We had two Avengers in between here too. It took them five movies to make Thor interesting, but they finally did it. Yeah, I agree. And it was a New Zealander who did it, not an Australian, Ben. There you go. Um, anything else you want to talk about in here that we missed? Uh, the fight scene between, oh yeah, there was one other thing I wanted to mention. And this was my biggest complaint of the movie, at least for the first half of the movie. Everybody knows that moment from the trailer where he's in the oh, arena, yeah. the Grandmaster yeah. has him doing battle, and then they release their champion, and out comes the Hulk, and he's like, and it's it's such, usually when you see a joke in the trailer, and you, then you see it in the movie, it loses some of the humor, but the way it plays out where he's like, hey, it's like, uh, we're friends from work, like, it's such a funny line, but here's my problem. We all know that moment from the trailer. We yeah. all, and they were never going to hide this, but I actually there was so, I'm going to call anybody out right now who tried to complain that they should not have revealed Doomsday in a promotion for Batman versus Superman because I made a good argument for how you had to reveal him because you needed to show people you know this is about more than just Batman fighting Superman you're never going to be able to show the trio of him Wonder Woman or Batman Wonder Woman and Superman together if you didn't show that to fight somebody now people want to say you should have revealed Doomsday. If you reveal the Hulk in this trailer, I know everybody knew he was going to be in it, but when they reveal how he's introduced in the movie, this movie made a colossal mistake by spending a good half hour to 45 minutes of building scenes on the planet. What is it? Sakaar? I keep forgetting the name. Sakaar. Yeah. Um, they, they had a half hour to 45 minutes of building scenes of when you eventually face our champion, when you eventually face our champion, you wouldn't believe how good our champion is. Or who is this champion? We all know this from the trailer. And it got so boring to the point where for half an hour 45 minutes i'm checking on like just get to the hulk already even if you wanted to reveal this in the trailer and it was a good idea it got a lot of people in the theater why tease that in the movie edit some of those lines out build some other type of plot for that half hour 45 minutes instead of just oh this champion you face this champion you face because it really wrecked a half hour to 45 minutes of this movie just based on the promotion of I could definitely see your point with that too as well. I mean, I, I didn't mind as much, but 
I also kind of have a, a memory like Dory, which I say all the time on these shows. And I, or do you? Do you remember you say it all the time on these shows? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> or are you saying it because you have a memory like Dory? But I actually forgot about the whole Hulk scene. Like, I forgot about the trail end. For me, it was probably more enjoyable that way, the fact that I forgot about it. Because as soon as they introduced them, I'm like, oh, that's right. That's who the yeah. champion is. But I was getting so impatient. Yeah, yeah. But I like everything about the movie. I like the setting of the movie uh, on this, these different planets. I like a little bit more of the sci-fi element to it. I like not having Natalie Portman. I like so much about this movie. Did have some problems with it. I feel like most Marvel movies, everybody out there is going to claim this is the greatest movie ever made uh, and ignore the flaws with it. Whereas with as we've talked about in our DC episodes or last month, with DC movies, everybody likes to claim it's the worst movie ever made and ignore all the good things about it. It's kind of the opposite here. I don't feel like a lot of people are going to be bringing up some of these complaints, like the half hour to 45 minutes where it's just teasing the Hulk where we already know what's going. They're not going to be bringing up the fact that the Hulk is so weakened in this movie and tame and cheapened in a way. They're not going to bring up, you know, some of the issues with uh, the uh, the fact this movie doesn't have much of a plot. It's, it's a lot of comedy, a lot of fun scenes, but not a lot of plot here. But overall... The strength of these movies, I think, make up for it. As I said, I will not be bidding this, but Jamie, buy it, rent it, bin it. You came out of this I would really for sure excited. buy it. I, I was really excited by it. I would for sure buy it. I'm very much on the fence, and I'm going to say this. Um, I've never done this on a review before, but I'm going to consider this a very strong rent it, because um, I kind of walked away from this the same as Guardians of the Galaxy 2. I said, this was a fun movie. I enjoyed everything about it. I would recommend this movie, but... I don't feel like I'm going to go out of my way to want to watch this again. Now, we saw this movie barely over 12 hours ago. Um, I woke up this morning feeling more positive about this movie than I did last night, especially with the characters. Last night, I was thinking on just the experience of the movie and the fact of the story. Maybe there's something a little bit lacking with the story. I had issues with the Hulk and all that. And I woke up this morning just thinking about how great Hela was, how great Valkyrie was, how great Thor was. You, you woke up this morning. I did not thinking, have dreams of Hela and Valkyrie. You woke up this morning thinking how good Hela was? Okay. How good she was in your dreams? No, but uh, I had a different experience waking up this morning. <laughs> oh, did, did, did you? Oh. <laughs> I had a different impression of the movie this morning from when I went to bed last night. So I would say it's a very strong rented, just that it's an enjoyable movie, but I'm not really going to, I don't feel like I have that urge that I have to see this again. But having said that, I also feel like if my opinions changed in 12 hours, we could review this thing a week from now and maybe I would say buy it. And maybe a week from now, I'm going to want to see this thing again. I mean, if it was cheap enough, I would definitely check it out again, but I'm going to lean more towards a very strong rented on this one. I would for sure buy it. I'm going to say a much stronger rented. That I gave Guardians of the Galaxy to. And, and I gave Guardians of the Galaxy to a I would rent. totally bin them. Even the first one that you didn't see, you're just trusting that it's a bin it. Yeah. <laughs> well, also just quickly say... Portman in it. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. Um, I'll also say with the recent Marvel movies, I mean, we're in phase three, I think it is, they call it now. It's all, This is, I guess, the second to last movie leading up to Infinity War. I don't know how much Black Panther is going to tie to Infinity War, but this found a way without having it to do with the Avengers at all, where I was excited for Infinity War. There's that one scene, one of the two post-credit scenes that made me excited for Infinity War. Um, but this whole phase three, I think has been maybe a little bit overrated. Uh, people have been way too kind to some of these movies. Uh, I would go as far as to say, I don't even know if I'm going to get all the movies right here, but uh, uh, Ant-Man. Ant-Man was an enjoyable movie. I wouldn't say that I loved it enough to want to watch it again, but I enjoyed it. I would say the same thing for um, the Guardians of the Galaxy 2. I enjoyed the movie a lot. Wouldn't say that I have the urge to watch it again. Same with this. Maybe I'm a little bit more leaning towards watching again just because of Hela and Valkyrie and Thor. Oh, if you but, guys could only see the dimples. Anyways, but uh, the <laughs> other ones they've had in here... Like Spider-Man Homecoming, like Ben and I gave a really good recommendation to Spider-Man Homecoming. I think we both bought that movie. But in all honesty, the more time passes, the more I look back on Homecoming and be like, yeah, I'm not sure I was as crazy about I, it. I never actually saw that movie, but I, I, I saw I saw like clips or something else like that about like the costume. And it was like amazing what they did with the costume. Yes and no. They, they relied way too much on the gadgetry for the costume. 
when you see the movie, it, it makes Spider-Man more of an Iron Man and less of a superhero. Yeah. Uh, those are some of the things that the more time passes, the more I feel like. And we just reviewed Wonder Woman for me the second time. You and I did the review the weekend it came out. And then Ben and I did the full recap. And Ben was like, we've never done this before. I'm interested to see if your review changes. Nothing changed about Wonder Woman for me. But I feel like some of these movies, like this one, it may change if we reviewed again. Spider-Man Homecoming, if we reviewed it again... I'd probably change my rating to a rent it in all honesty. And I'd have to watch it again to know for sure. Yeah. Um, I really, haven't, I haven't seen that one. The only movie in this, and even Civil War, I love Civil War. I thought it was a blast, but I had a lot of issues with the movie. A lot of characters just did not fit in it at all. Um, it, it felt like, especially, this is kind of what I said about directors and writers handling these characters back and forth. You know, we don't have the same creative team handling Bruce Banner as they handled on the Avengers movies. So that's kind of why Bruce Banner, you know, isn't really working the same for me in this movie. Yeah. That's what I felt like with the Scarlet Witch and Vision in um, Civil War. The only two characters I really liked in Age of Ultron and in Civil War, you know, didn't think they worked at all. But Civil War had its problems. I would probably lean more towards that being a buy it. And this is kind of just me ranking the whole Marvel Universe here. But you got like Age of Ultron, which was just awful. And I don't care what anybody says. Age of Ultron is one of the worst superhero movies, in at least this modern era. Yeah. Uh, so I don't think Marvel's had a great Phase 3. But um, I'm way more excited about Infinity War now, having watched this. Because I feel like all the characters have a purpose now. Captain America has been given his purpose after Civil War. Iron Man has been given his purpose after Civil War. Right. Um, Thor has finally been given a purpose. You finally know what's going to happen with Thor, where they're going with this. So Infinity War, a little bit more excited about it. And we will have, we'll just tease this now, we're probably not going to cover all the Marvel movies before Infinity War because we're going to have a lot of other movies that summer to cover, uh, you know, particularly Jurassic Park movies and Mission Impossibles. But we will at least review the first two uh, in uh, in depth, the first two uh, Avengers movies. So buy it from you, strong rent it from me. Yeah. Uh, anything else you want to add on anybody's pecs or abs or calves or quads or... No. Dongs. I'm done with hijacking the show. All right. I said all I needed to say. Yeah, and you said it all. And just, just wanted to say, you know, girls appreciate the legs. You know, there's there's great there's great I like how is it you're actually talking this about this there's, again? There's great things to admire with a man who has really, really strong lower half because that takes that takes dedication too. And guys, don't skip leg day because the ladies love it. All right. And thank you for joining us on this episode. Um, We're going to be back soon. We will have a Justice League preview episode coming out next week. Uh, We will be back. Jamie and I will be back for Star Trek Discovery. We missed this past week because Ben and I had to catch up on the Wonder Woman recap. We just didn't have time. We're going to do a double recap for uh, the two Star Trek Discovery episodes that are going to air. Well, the one that aired last week and the one over this weekend. Uh, And after Justice League, uh, we're going to start some Star Wars months coming soon with all the Star Wars movies nobody really wants to watch again. Ewoks, Holiday Special, Clone Wars Animated. I actually do want to watch them. I'll watch them with you. I I do too. I I won't review, but I'll watch them with you. Lots of fun stuff coming up. Um, But uh, as far as reviews go, it's Thor this week and we're not sure about anything next week, but we will get to Justice League after that. Uh, Thank you for joining us. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher. And uh, please, Stitcher, start working again. I was just a random complaint. I am not a fan of Stitcher today because Stitcher has not been working for me. Um, anyways, this just... don't skip leg day. I was gonna say my name is Colin, and I don't skip my leg day. Oh, he doesn't. See you later. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net. 